Good morning, everybody. Aren't we having great weather? That's good. It's wonderful. I want to get into the message, the very uh, beginning of the series called Up, In, and Out. What a beautiful video that really sets up uh, this series. Uh, For example, Up, uh, which Jesus returned to the Father and went to the mountain to communicate. That's our relationship. We'll be talking about that today. In, as it relates to community, we need one another. Say that with me. We need one another. That's great. And then out, we reach out. That's what Saturate Lakeland is, uh, is all about. I pray that you'll be here tonight, that you uh, intentionally make your plan to say, you know, I'm going to go to church and uh, be in the house of the Lord and uh, enjoy the, the blessings of the Lord. Um, maybe, uh, I don't know, my dad was in his 50s, and it's been maybe 40 years ago or so, um, and um, he had kidney failure, and uh, I was pastoring and actually was at a, a major church council, and my mom called in a frantic, and they said, your dad's been sick for a week or two, and we just found out he has uh, kidney failure. And, uh, well, that was uh, sure new to our family. And so I, I went home and, uh, of course, met with the family. My mother, like any woman, would be frantic. My dad was self-employed and owned a business, so a lot depended on him and the family there. And uh, so we got to the hospital, and the doctor said we need to get him immediately moved from Winter Haven Hospital to Tampa General. And for some reason or another, there was not a transport, an ambulance uh, Uh, available at that time, and uh, they couldn't be there. They were tied up for a couple of hours, and I said, well, listen, um, he's uh, regurgitating. Put him in my car. I'll get him over there. That's type A personality. If the ambulance is not as available, I'll I'll do it. So we got him in the car, and buddy, I took off. I mean, I wasn't, I don't know what the speed limit was. I never looked. I just knew that I had an emergency to get there, and uh, I really was praying after I got out on I-4, really, God, if you don't mind, let a cop catch me. Now, I don't pray that often, uh, but how many of you know when you sometimes need one, um, they don't show up, and when you don't need one, they, they do, and, and they want to sell you stock in the state of Florida, and uh, you always want to be a stockholder. But anyway, I remember getting over there. I was not familiar. I am today very familiar with Tampa, but then I was not. And I just knew, okay, get to Bayshore Boulevard. There was no GPS system available. It was back when we used the phone book. How many remember that? Phone book and used a map. And how do do you get to Tampa General Hospital? And I, Bayshore Boulevard over there and and I'm, I'm looking, and, and the amazing thing is, is I could see the hospital. It's located on Davis Island, and I could see Tampa General, but I couldn't get to it. And I thought, unbelievable. I'm, I can see it, but I can't get there. And I kept looking. I mean, one-way streets didn't mean a living thing to me. It's like, if I can, it's a one-way and nobody's coming that way, it's a new way now. And I, I uh, took it and... Uh, and, of course, finally found the bridge that gets to Davis Island, and, and we got him there. And, of course, it was a long, long journey, eventually a kidney transplant. And uh, so the Lord uh, really touched him. He's home uh, in the presence of the Lord now. Uh, all of us are on a journey going somewhere, going from here to there. Here's what, here's what Jesus wants, and I think the Apostle Paul is going to illustrate it. <clears throat> Let's say you're here spiritually and God is always saying, 
I want you to move closer, you know, to move closer. And so every day you have a privilege of taking a step forward or, you know, you never actually remain the same. You take a a step back. And so God is saying to all of us, and the Apostle Paul is going to teach us, I want to get from where you are to where I, I want you to be. Some of you say, I want to go from not being in shape to being in shape, you know? Some of you say, I want to go from not being married to being married. Is that okay? Some of you go, okay, I want to go from we're a family not having kids to having kids. And boy, isn't that wonderful, from not having kids to having kids. And then some of you, you've had kids, plenty of them, and you're going from I'd like to get to the place where I don't have any kids now, that they all move out, and I can get the empty nest syndrome going. And it comes to realization that we're never really happy, but here's what, life is never neutral, and we're always going somewhere. And that's true in the Spirit. Abraham, here it is. I know where you're at. You're in the city of Ur of Chaldees. I want you to, I want you to go to Canaan, go from Chaldees to, to Canaan. Moses, I want you to take my people in Egypt in bondage, get them out, cross the Red Sea. Joshua, I want you to take my people out of the wilderness, take over where Moses left off, cross that old Jordan River, and get into the promised land. Babylon, the children of God in exile, in Babylon. God said, I want you out of here. I want you to go back to the land of promise. And to God's people, in the Word of God, it's always a spiritual journey. And I want to talk to you about that. How are you doing in that spiritual journey of getting closer to God? And and what does that mean? Where you are right now spiritually, God says, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to get closer. How many of you remember when you used to court and date and uh, some of you, you may be boomers, but there was no console between the seats. And how many of you know that back in the 50s and 60s with no console, that often the little darling would just slide over there under your arm on the driver's side? How many of you remember that? Help me. How many remember it? Now what do you do? You have her sit on the console, a little uncomfortable. Got to have her head down or open the sunroof and let her head and hair blow. But she can get over there if she really wants to. Well, let me tell you this. Here's what I found. The majority of those who slid over there, hey, you know where they sit now? Up against the door. (laughs) Up against the door. Not over there anymore. What happened? Hey, territorial. Here's what God says. I want you to get over beside me and I want you to move away. I I want you to get so close to me that when people look at you, they can't tell who's driving the car. We're so close together. And so Paul said, "That's, that's what I want. I want that kind of relationship and I want everybody that I know. We want to go from despair to having hope. Last week, we cast vision. I said, here's where we are. Here's what we've got to do. Here's the vision for the future. And we want to go from here to there and see it done in an amount of about five years. So here's our our vision statement. To know Christ and what? Make him known. known. To know Christ and make him known. And that's a bit static because what it means is the way that I know Christ today, I want to know him better than that tomorrow. And that won't happen by accident. 
I want to know Christ better today than I knew him tomorrow and to make him known. That means I don't want to hide my light. I want to be a light so that it can shine. I want to make him known. Saturate Lakeland gives us the privilege to be able to make him known. What does it mean? Hanging a little plastic bag on a doorknob and then going to the next home. So the message series is entitled, Up, Get Close to God, In, We Love You, and Out, Out. Enjoy that kind of life. I want to be devoted to Jesus Christ is Paul's message. He said, I want to be more spirit-filled. I want to be more prayer-powered. I want to be more loving. I want to be more liberated so that I can do what I need to do to embrace people in fellowship and in relationship. And so here's what we find. We find that in Paul's writings, we have it in Philippians 3, verse number 4, something that is important. And he says, here is my testimony. So if you have your Bible, if you memorized it, if it's in your iPad or in your iPhone, if you want to look on with someone else, here it is, Philippians 3, verse number 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Trump you. No pun intended, everybody. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews in regard to the law, Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Whatever is more, I consider everything a loss, everything a loss compared to the suppressing, surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. It's all gone. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness, right wiseness, in other words, that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to resurrection from the dead. He said, I'm telling y'all, I had confidence in the flesh. He said, I had confidence in the flesh in my, my relationship with the law, my achievements, my self-identity, my well-being, my sense of esteem. He said, I put confidence in the flesh. And he said, it was all about me. It was all, hey, I've got an education. I'm a person of brains, a person of common sense. I'm a person of wisdom. I've got leadership traits. I have position. I have papers here to be able to destroy the church. Paul said, it is all about me. It's all about what I want to do, when I want to do it, and how I want to do it. And Jesus, no matter, didn't even know Jesus, just really committed to God. I'm on my way, and that's just the way it is. And you might say, boy, how sad is that? The major portion, huge, huge percentage of our culture is just that way. 
We have no room for God in the reality of a personal relationship and no room for his church, which is the bride of Christ. Why? We're busy in culture out there of doing what we want to do when we want to do it. Paul said, I was that kind of guy. I drove my own bus. I had my own signature. He said, I was a part of the religious community and religion and doing the will of the law was the top priority of my life. Executing the law. Hey, Stephen, you better shush because I'm about to give the nod and you're going to die. At my nod, they're going to stone you. And so it was. They did stone Stephen while Paul gave his permission. He said, you want to see my credentials? Circumcised on the eighth day, that was a huge deal. Tribe of Benjamin, Benjamin's the highest status of any tribe, guarded Jerusalem, everything going. I was a Pharisee. He said, that meant I was like a Navy SEAL. He said, and I was jealous to go after the enemies of God. The enemies of the Jewish law, I went after it. No one did a better job at that than, than I did. But he said, I was wrong. Say that with me. I was wrong. Turn to someone you love and say, I was wrong. Go ahead. Probably had 50 marriages healed right there. I was wrong. Took going to church for you to say it, but thank God you finally said it. I was wrong. <laughs> what does it take for God to get our attention? I mean, if God wants to really challenge you to, to make a supernatural step, so what does it take for God to get your attention? What does it take? Here's what I know. God is very apable of upsetting your apple cart. He's very capable of sending something your way. And listen, nothing ever happens by accident. And when strange things happen to you, pay attention. God's always wanting to use that to benefit you and or someone you know, love, and trust. But oh, things like that can happen and people will just, nothing, go right on with their life. Well, it just the way it is, and they don't get any spiritual guidance out of it. Paul said, I got hit hard. He said, I'm riding along there. And he said, all of a sudden, a bright light, a supernatural light that was so bright, it blinded him. Now, if you study carefully, blind there, it means this, that, that there was no light that he could see. It's like that total darkness overtook his eyes. He could not see, forget the hand in front of his face. It was just pitch black and not a light darkness, a black, black darkness. And when that happened, it disoriented him so that when that vision was gone, he didn't know whether up was down or what was north, south, or which direction. And it disoriented him. And he's stumbling around because he's lost that ability to be able to see and get direction. And he turns to someone that he hasn't respected probably very much because they're a low wage 
individual serving him. And he's in the dirt and he doesn't even know how to get up. And when he realizes he's that blind, he calls upon someone that he probably didn't respect much because they were not on the same level. They worked for him. Listen, it's a personal opinion. I don't like it when people say, oh, yeah, they work for me. They work for me. Who made you special? They work for me. Oh, yeah, you, you want to be the person that that person may be an authority over you. So, yeah, you work for me. Do you know how that feels? I've been there. How about we work together? He works with me. She works with me. Somebody say amen out there. Amen. And Paul was one and said, hey, boy, you, you work for me. Get over here and help me find wherever it is I need to go. And probably one of them had a type A personality and probably said, how about a pay raise? You know, I can tell you where you want to go, but you're going to have to increase a little bit here. But they got him and took him into the place of hiding. God began to speak to him. God began to talk to him. He had his, he had his undivided attention. Okay. Now that I have your undivided attention, Paul, I'm going to school you. Everything that you've been doing has been about you. Every will that you have initiated has been about what you wanted to do. Every position that you've ever desired to attain has been about you climbing that ladder. Now, listen, who do you think you are now? And so Paul was forced into an evaluation. Let me take a look at my life. Oh, Paul, how about your education? Show me your diploma. That doesn't make any difference, God. I'm, I'm still blind. No, Paul, show me the latest trophy that you got, the certificate of complete. Well, it doesn't matter, God. I, I can't see. Paul, show me the names of how many people you have killed out of vengeance saying, you just show me. God, I'm sorry. I I don't, Paul, why don't you show me, show me your fighting skills. I, I can't see. I can't even find my sword. Well, it's amazing. I have been reduced to nothingness. You say, this is a great message. You're really encouraging me. have noticed that every scriptural principle says when you die to anything there is a reward for new growth Amen. Amen. every time you die every time you give up every time you retreat every time you say no every time that you say all right god you're first paul found out that it meant something to be called righteous so he did that radical evaluation is what we're encouraging, encouraging you to do. An evaluation of what? It says, wow. You see, people ought to look at us in the church. You say, Victory Church. I've seen some people in their behavior that I've actually thought in my mind, I hope they don't tell anybody where they go to church. 
I used to tell Jay Dennis, I've told a lot of people to say they're Baptists and go to First Baptist in the mall, Jay. He said, yeah, Wayne, all your undesirables. I said, well, we're not a museum. We're a trauma center. You know, I just can't get it right when a person walks in to church on Sunday morning and shakes everybody's hand and maybe greet at the door, and then on their job, they drop the F-bomb just like everybody else. I just don't understand that. Are you slang language and say, hey, man, come on, we're going to saturate Lakeland. Beep, 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 beep. We'll pull out the alcohol in front of you young children and say, we just got to have a little drink, you know, and you get drunk as a skunk. Paul said, hey, what will it take for me to stop you in your tracks and cause you to pay attention that a prized possession you have happens to be the influence of your children in your home? Be sure you get it right. Anybody helping me preach this morning? That self-evaluate, I could go on and on and on, but I won't. I think we get the message. He says, I want my life to be wholesome. I want my mouth clean. I want my thought process pure. I want to be loving. I want to be, I don't want to, Paul said, I don't want to hold on to any bitterness. I don't have a right to be bitter, angry at anybody. I want to get rid of all of that. And he, he, he puts it like this. I considered profit unto me, the life of serving Christ. And so, um, it's important to know the difference in financial literacy. That's what he calls the difference between an asset and a liability. It, it means what counts as an asset to you. Paul talks about, I consider it profit, and he deals, he deals with that. He said, I want to teach people how to distinguish the difference. And there's a book that uh, is entitled uh, Poor Dad and Rich Dad, and it says, here's what it is, an asset an asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. How many like asset better? Okay. I'm going to ask one more time. I know what time it is and you're slowing it down. No, I don't like spectator stuff. I like engage. How many think asset is better than liability? All right, that's good. I love that. I love that. Just pay, pay attention. What is marriage? <laughs> An asset is something that puts money in your pocket. A liability is something that takes money out of your pocket. But I hear you. There are some things that are a whole lot more valuable than money, Pastor. My little darling here, she's an asset. She loves it when you refer to her as your little darling. Matter of fact, some of you ladies, I'd just be glad if he called me anything. Shame on you. Asset, considered profit. So he says, here's what I've done. He said, I have determined because the closer that I get to Jesus, the more liabilities I see. He said, the closer that I get 
to Jesus the things that I thought that I could put up with and get close. I'm finding those things yet in the way. That my behavior is not, is not praiseworthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That my language, that my thought is not praiseworthy to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said, I want my achievements and all of my energy every day to give glory to God. He said, I want to do things that, that create a humility in me, not an arrogancy. I want to consider, continue to love people. I don't want to judge people and be angry at people. I want to be more generous with open arms as, as opposed to a hoarder clenching my fist and closing my hands and not helping. I, I wanted to build my faith and not take away from my faith. I want to not only say that I'm a Christian, but I want the fruit of my life and I want the testimony of how I live to prove that I am a certified, bona fide, franchise follower of Jesus Christ. When I say I'm a Christian, you're going to say, I see Jesus in that person. And the church today and the culture is not doing a real good job with that. And that's why this message is to call us to go up. Amen? Up. So here he says, Jesus gives us an illustration in Luke 5, verse number 20 or 620. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Now he's not saying, oh, it's great to be poor. How many would rather have money than, money than not have money? May I see your hand? All right, I'm, we're going to do it again. Here we go. Here we go. How many would rather have money than not have money? That's all right. It's all right to say. Is this a trick question, Pastor? Is why I didn't raise my hand? No. I'd rather have money than not have money. But here's what he's saying. When he means, blessed are you that are poor. I mean, I got to be flat broke before I get in the kingdom of God? I hope not. We got buildings we're going to build. We don't need a whole lot of broke people around here. Amen? We need a whole lot of prosperous, tithing people who understand. I got some to give by the grace of God. Don't get me started, friend. Here he says, blessed is the person who has a broken heart, who is humble and pliable in the hands of God, for theirs is the kingdom of God. For he says, when you're, when you're broke, he said, he's using that as a term of humility, a humble, broken heart. And he said, blessed are those who mourn, and you'll be comforted, which means that we said last week, we had Jesus on the Mount of Olives. Some of you be with me next week, and we're going to be at the Mount of Olives, and, and you'll look down on Jerusalem just as a picture, and you'll see the golden dome that is there. Jesus looked down on Jerusalem, and he wept. And what he's saying is, whatever makes Jesus weep ought to make you and me weep. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not a weeper yet. Well, when you get closer to Jesus, you will adopt the characteristics of Jesus. Amen? And the closer you get to him, if he weeps, bless God, you're going to do some weeping before it's over. Mourn. He says, because here's what I believe. I believe Jesus is coming. I feel it. I believe it with all of my heart. And we're going to trust God together with it. So Paul says, I got some things I need to shred. And if you take a look at a shredder, a shredder is big old shredders. They, 
It's, there it is. We, we sh we're sh shredding. I get tongue-tied when I say slippery when I say simply sleep, I, I say simply sleep. It's like talking about that sh shred. So here's a question. Paul said, hey, I had my eyes blown out down, down on the ground. He said, I didn't know which way to go. Had to have people that had depended upon help me. But the best experience he said I ever have is in that moment when I realized that I'm not worthy of one thing and that I realized the righteousness of God and I realized his holiness and I realized his purity and I realized, wow, I need to do some shredding. So what is it for you, you know, is it, just a doggone nasty attitude, shred it. Is it way too much pride? Shred it. Is it bitterness towards somebody that's broke your heart or hurt you? Shred it. Is it a hard heart? Shred it. Is it an argumentative mouth? Shred it. Is it a know-it-all attitude? Shred it. Matter of fact, I think I could create a song right there. Shred it. You know, is it a bad spirit? Shred it. Is it apathy? Shred it. Is it distaste? Oh, grumble all the shred it. Shred it. Go pick up a pile and re-shred it again. Some of us. You say, how many times should I shred it? Until it's gone. Amen. And every time you shred it, you get closer to Jesus. And when John saw him in Revelation, he said, my Lord, have mercy. When I saw him, I could not stand. My legs gave away. I fell down in his presence, and I just began to worship him. I wept, and anointing came upon me. I couldn't do anything else but give him glory and give him honor and give him praise. That's how we ought to walk every single day as we get closer and closer to Almighty God. Amen. Come on now. I'm sure that if I were to ask you what are some things that you think others ought to shred, you could come up with a good list. But I'm not judging others. You know what I found? I got enough dirt on my own back porch to keep a blower and a broom busy all the time. You know what else I found about me? I got to shred every day. Every day. That's right. You see, we understand that which be hindrance to us. You have to determine what to put. Here's what Jesus said as an illustration. He said, here's what getting things focused about God. Paul, here's what I want you to do. He gave this illustration. He said, now the kingdom of God, that which the way God wants you to, to live, he said, it shall be compared. He said, for what shall I compare the kingdom of God. In other words, how can I say? Here it is. He gave the illustration, Jesus did, of a guy who found a treasure. He found a treasure, and it was so valuable. It was so remarkable. It was so great. It was like finding a good wife. 
Not one amen until 17 seconds into that statement. Not even the deacons over here. Shred it. <laughs> yeah, you going home by yourself. It's going to be spam and corned beef hash. Here's what he said. He said, it's that treasure. And here's what he did. He took it to a field. He buried it. And then he said, I know the treasure is not mine, but if I put it in that field, I'll go buy that field. And when I buy that field, I'll get that treasure. And you know what he said? Everything that I have will go on the line to buy that field. Everything. I'm not saving back 10% for a rainy day. I'll put everything that I have to buy that field. And Jesus said, that's what the kingdom of God is like. To everything that I have, shred everything that I have in order to, in fact, buy it. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a tall order. So Paul says, let me speak for a moment. And we find him in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but he said, I'm active. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I'm going for it. Behold, I don't consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do, here's what I know. I want to forget those things that are behind. I'm not going to worry about my failures, what I did yesterday wrong, the things I had to shred yesterday, the bad life that I had, the bad decisions, the stupid remarks, all of those. He said, I'm forgetting what's behind me because there ain't nothing back there that I want, and I'm straining ahead and I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, he said the prize of knowing Jesus, getting close to him, loving him, enjoying him, empowering him in my life. He said that's the most important thing in the world. Amen. And he said, that's how I want you to live. Then we find in Hebrews 12, verse number 1, then if that's true, let us run with perseverance. The race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me say this. This just hit me in the spirit. Listen, don't murmur and complain about the season you're in right now. Don't murmur and complain about the season you're in. Well, you don't understand what I'm in. God does. Do you know how quick it could take God to move you out of that season and put you on down the path just like that? And if we're going to lean on him and we're going to trust in him, why don't we just say, God, as long as you got me right here, I'm going to make the best of it and give you honor and glory. For if there are those that can be in the lion's den, I can make it through this. Amen. Well, you don't understand, Pastor, I live with a jerk for a husband. Hey, you ever heard of jerky? You make the best of it. 
Paul said, I've understand. I'm running with perseverance the race that is set before me, but here's what I know. What's behind me and what I'm running into, he said, I fix my eyes on Jesus because the only thing that I can see is his nail-scarred hand. See him on his throne at the right hand of the Father making intercession for me. That's what I see. I see Jesus. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus. Touch me, anoint me, and heal me. But listen carefully. Some of you got individuals living all around you that have a good word that they're Christians and friend, they are not. Well, why would you say that so strongly? Unless you come to that realization, they will die lost. Why? Because when you say that you're a follower, a Christian of Jesus Christ, there is the fruit of the disciplines and the behavior of a believer. It's there. God says, I can't have it. Either, either be hot or cold, not lukewarm, and spew you out of my mouth. The Apostle Paul said, I played religious games. No more. He said, you can set me on sail. And he said, if my ship crashes somehow or another, God will redeem me and use me. And when you run the kind of race that focuses upon Jesus Christ, you see, when you run that kind of race, you wake up every day and you say, Lord, thank you for another day to be able to live and enjoy you. Now, listen, I, I, I'm, I may be a hard person to live with sometimes. Did you catch how I said that? I may be. Because it's hard to live and work with sometimes with a type A personality. But I am meek as a lamb and gentle as a bear. <laughs> Some of you are not buying it. And being a type A, boy, you have to do a lot of shredding. I have a commercial one. The little private, little private dude doesn't work for me. I'd have that commercial one. That'll shred staples and nails and shred them and shred. And I know that, but let me tell you something. Listen. <laughs> I know one thing. He's big enough to forgive me. And if I'm willing to shred, he'll shred every single time. Amen. Amen. And if I'm not going to let, how you doing? I'm not. I'm not going to let the enemy give me a guilt complex. I hope you don't. I'm not going to let him put me down and say, you dog, look what you did yesterday. Uh-uh-uh-uh. I could say, God, I know a lot of people a whole lot worse than I am. We all do, don't we? I don't know many, but we do have individuals. But isn't it wonderful that when you can shred it and you just get rid of it and you say, okay, God, I get to wake up this morning. You know, I was at the gas pump at Wawa this morning, 5.30, 5.45. And I thought, God, look at this. All this wonderful, wonderful darkness that's out here. It's cool and all these people out here. I know they're filling up to go to church. <laughs> and I reached for my gas cap. Matter of fact, I went to get in. And the gas cap, cars, my car has a gas, has a gas deal. You know, they shut. I mean, no. Door. 
I don't have a gas cap. I just went to forget and looked and looked back and saw it and it's over and I just read and hit it and I thought, God, I thank you. I don't even have a gas cap. I had to screw that on and get my hands smelly with gas. I just closed the door. I said, how blessed I am. Amen. How blessed I am. And God, with all these blessings, come on, y'all over there. All these blessings, how can we miss? Amen. And we get to wake up for a brand new day and say, yesterday I put that shredder through a lot of pain, but today is a brand new slate. Amen. I, I, get, I get to try right on. I get to shred some more. Amen. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to strain toward getting to that goal. He said, sometimes it's tough. But he said, I got my eyes fixed. I know, I know what I want, the prize. I pray that will be you and you and you going after it. Amen. And when you do, take some people with you. Amen. Are you done with me? Why don't you stand up and give the Lord a clap offering and that'll be it. That's not quite good enough there, by the way. A little whimp. I probably shred three pounds last week. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, look this way. If, if you're not, if you're alienated from the Lord, you people online, if you're alienated from the Lord, get a clear picture of who God is in your life. And if you need to do some shred and shred it, don't point your finger at anybody else. Don't blame anybody else for your behavior, your problem, the way you're living. It ain't nobody else's fault. It's yours. Trust God. Be liberated and say, God, I want to give it everything I got. Well, what if you blow it? Well, blow it. Shred it and get back going. Amen. So bow your heads with me just in case there are those here that said, I really need to get things right. And you know what the Bible says? That you need to confess your sins. So we're going to do that right now. Would you repeat this prayer? Everybody and those of you online, would you repeat this prayer? Here we go. Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. Just for me. Just for me. I humble myself. I humble myself. And I repent of my sins. In Jesus, name. In Jesus' name, take my life, take my, life. Take my, dreams. Take my dreams, take my desires, my desires. and let me, them let me shred them so that I do what you desire, what, you desire. what your, will is. your will is, what your dream is, your dream is. and do it, do it with gladness. So Father, so Father bring, healing bring healing to me in every area of my life, and let me shine as a professing follower of Jesus Christ. In your name, amen. Amen. Hope you got that message. And you know that we believe in healing. We believe in divine healing. The book in James 5, James 5 and verse number 14, 514, says, any sick among you, any afflicted, here's what the Bible says. Any afflicted, let them call on the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. Pray the prayer of faith. So we got just a couple more minutes to give you time.
to be able to get that touch that God wants you to have. And listen, I'm just, the Holy Spirit, as I'm speaking, is speaking to me. Some of you have an absolute financial, you're at a financial crossroads. You got to have an answer. I'm going to ask you to come. Nobody has to know. Others are going to come. But listen, God will reach down and touch you. He will open a door or close a door any way he chooses if you're obedient to him. Here we go. Stay with us as we prepare for the benediction. I give myself away. Lord, I give myself away so you, you can use me. Give myself away, oh Jesus. I give myself away so you, you can use me. I give myself away. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I give myself away. Come on, lift your hands and let's sing together. Hallelujah. Give myself away. Heavenly Father, I uh, thank you for every person. I pray a divine anointing and guidance and wisdom. God, we can get caught in traps. And thank you because you're opening the traps and giving us liberty and deliverance. I pray for every person today who responded to the altar or, or responded in their heart. We are looking to you and believing that you will do what we cannot do. So God, it's all about you and not about us. We're just grateful you let us come along for the ride. Now minister and meet the need of every family, every person financially, every single pair at home, everybody who's having relational problems in whatever way, every business, do it, Jesus. Give that kind of favor and we'll give you praise and honor in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Now as you leave the parking lot, remember the message. You get uh, upset, shred it. Amen. You get your temper blown, shred it, and be at peace with everybody. God bless you. Love you, everybody. See you tonight.